Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. First, if you have not yet already subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you do so so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, I recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. I know some people have been asking about it. We did some swag last year. So I'm glad to share that it's out there. There's a link in the show notes. So go check it out. Get your swag and rock that you are part of the Move the Ball movement. Okay. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us inside the huddle today and ready to talk about his experience as a pro athlete, as an agent and a businessman, and to help us to move the ball is Chaffee Fields. Chaffee is currently a sports and talent agent with Wasserman. And for those who may not be familiar with Wasserman, it's one of the top agencies. They serve the best athletes, artists, and brands in terms of representation. Prior to his current career, Chaffee was a wide receiver who played college football at Penn State. And he also played in the NFL for three seasons with the San Francisco 49ers, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Jets. We'll talk about all of that and more on today's episode. Chaffee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us today. I know you've been busy and like me, have always been on the move. So I appreciate you carving out some time for us to chat today. Definitely. Absolutely. I'm always trying to move the ball, as you would say. I like it. So as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about what's the best way to kick off a conversation to really have an engaging dialogue and meeting conversation for our listeners. And there's so many places that I was thinking I could start us off today. But we talk about on this podcast, business, branding, and sports. So I want to start off with the sports side and your time playing football. Something that I like to ask my guests who have played the game is how football has helped shape you into who you are today. Specifically, this whole move the movement started because I wrote a book on football called Move the Ball. And I shared lessons that I learned from the game being a kid and a student of the game my entire life ever since I was four. So my question for you is, when you look back at how football has influenced you and your success, what are some of the takeaways that you've gotten from the sport to be successful? So for me, I often tell young people at this point that sports is more about character building than it is about the game. Not everybody is going to be a professional. However, there are some lessons that you can take from sports, irrelevant of the sport, that you can carry for the rest of your life with whatever it is that you get into. Some of those things are being on time. If you play on a team, whatever sport that may be, you have to be on time. If you're not on time, even in Little League, you got to run laps. It's a penalty. You're getting penalized for not being on time. So that's first and foremost. Discipline. Very important. Some of the most talented guys that I've known over the years, because they're so talented, depending on where they are and what teams and what coaches, they're allowed to get away with some things that other guys are. However, when you get to the highest level, that's no longer accepted. 
And so discipline is very important. You have to be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. You need to know your job and understand what your role is on said team. So that's another part. Being able to be a team player, being able to fit into whatever the scheme is, being able to fit into whatever the culture of that team is and kind of play your part. Just being accountable is another part of what sports is all about. And so for me, one of the biggest things, in my personal opinion, is being able to take kids or adults from many different aspects of the world, many different cultures, areas in the world, different races, different creeds, different religions, put everybody in one place at one time and figure out how to be on one accord. And that is what the world is. And so that's something for me personally that has been the biggest takeaway from sports. And it's something that I carry with me today. And it was one of the biggest life lessons that I've learned from sports, just being able to assimilate and accept other people's differences and them accept yours and come together as one for one common goal. And for me, that's the biggest lesson that I take from sports, just generally speaking. For sure. You hear people talk about how, why they love the sport of football or other team sports is being able to bring people together. Like you mentioned, different backgrounds, but it's also different personalities, different styles, and it's learning how to effectively communicate and work with those different people so that you can achieve that objective, which is something that's going to take you far in whatever it is you do in life. In the corporate setting, you've got people from different backgrounds, different leadership styles. So that is a great trait that sports are able to help you learn to be able to be successful in whatever it is that you do. That's right. And for me personally, I am a very competitive spirit. And so something that I had to learn was patience with myself and with others, because I was of the mindset that I'm going to win by any means. And out of all the time is everybody else on the team upset mindset. So (laughs) I had to learn how to have patience with myself and with everybody else. That's an important lesson to learn as well. When I read your bio, I mentioned that you played college football at Penn State. How was your experience playing there? And what was something that has always been memorable for you during your time at Penn State? So I went to Penn State as a very rough around a collar, 18-year-old from the streets of Philadelphia. And I left Penn State a young man. I think it was an amazing experience for me one that I wouldn't trade for the world. Now, granted, you have to understand, Penn State wasn't necessarily my school of choice. I went to Penn State by default as my mother was ailing at that time. You know, I didn't want to go far from home. And so I decided to go to State College and go up under the tutelage of the late, great Coach Joe Paterno. He played a significant role into molding me into the man that I am today. Like I said, there was a lot of, I guess you can say, cultural shock for me when I got to State College, because coming from where I was coming from, you know, this is one of those things that you really wouldn't understand unless you're living it. And so when I get to State College, it's just a totally different environment, a totally different vibe. As a young man, you know, I, I come to Penn State. I'm a guy that had, you know, a lot of flair and, and a lot of style and my own thing, right? And so when you get to State College, that wasn't necessarily accepted by Coach Paterno, man. It was, it was one team, no names, just games. It was one voice. It was one everything. And so he would take that individuality to a degree out and away from you. I got kicked out of my first practice just for 
talking trash to another player in competition. And, you know, in the middle of the play, I score a touchdown. And I'm talking to the guy, telling him about who I am and why he needs to prepare different when he's facing a guy like me. Because he wasn't, he wasn't having that. So for me, I did something good. I scored a touchdown and got kicked out of practice. And I just didn't understand it. And so what I had to learn again was that in every environment, you know, sometimes you have to adjust and adapt and learn how it works. As they would say, when in Rome, you do as Romans do. And so he took that away from me, taught me how to be a gentleman and to kind of assimilate into the right way to do things with a team environment. That carried on to campus life. When, when we got to State College, he only allowed two football players on any floor in any dorm because he, he wanted us to assimilate into the general population of the student body. He didn't want us to just be with football players or athletes, right? And so there was a lot of important, important life lessons, man, that Coach Paterno strategically put in place with us not even knowing what he was doing or why or how. That now and as a grown man, when you look back, you see, oh, okay, that's what Coach was doing. That's why he did this. That's why he did that. It was a great experience for me. And it's nothing like a football game, State College, PA. It's nothing like it. And is there something that Coach Paterno said to you as a young man that really has stuck with you, a piece of advice that you've carried forward? I don't know that it was one thing that Coach Paterno dropped so many gems over the years that I don't I don't know that it was just one thing that's always stuck with me. But accountability was very big there. My first meeting, I wasn't late, but I was late. And Coach Paterno, we call it Paterno time. If the meeting is at 8 o'clock, the meeting is going to start at 7.50. And if you come to the meeting at 7.55, although the meeting time is 8, you're late. My first meeting, I'm five minutes early, but I'm late. And I didn't understand. Like, man. But that accountability piece was one of the biggest things that I took away from Coach Paterno. He was, he was real firm about it. He treated everybody as an equal. There was no the superstar gets a different treatment. Everybody was the same. It was a team. And everybody was going to be held accountable by the staff and by our peers. That's one important lesson that I took out of here. And during your time at Penn State, you ended up ranking 10th on the all-time receiving list with 88 catches, 1,437 yards. What were you doing to ensure your success, especially you shared that you had a mom that had some ailments? How did you stay mentally locked in, just trying to balance being a student athlete, the commitments that the school is putting on you in terms of academics, as well as football, and then also your family situation? That wasn't an issue for me because growing up, there was a standard. There was a standard that was set by my parents, my grandparents, and being exceptional at whatever it is that you chose to do was the standard. And if you don't intend to be the best at it, do something else. And so that was the standard for me growing up, both academically and athletically, and just as a, a man, just generally speaking, I was always held accountable into a higher standard to be the best version of me that I could be. And so I got my first C in school in the eighth grade. It was a C and it was a 79. And my mother literally came to football practice and dragged me out of the huddle because that was unacceptable for me. It wasn't a big adjustment for me because I understood what it meant being accountable 
And that started at home. That's awesome. So the game of college football has changed, as has the NFL. When you look now, I mean, college is is becoming more and more like a business. And we had just within the last year, the NIL rules that had changed. And so when you look at how college football is today, you obviously work with a lot of college football players now. And you compare that to your time being in college and being a student athlete. How is it different? It's a lot different. The game has changed tremendously and has now become a passing league. And so the guys that have a lot of opportunities, specifically with the NIL, are the guys that score touchdowns, i.e. quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. And the NIL is great, but it's bad at the same time. Because when we speak about team, 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 everybody on the team is not going to get the same opportunities via NIL. This won't happen. And in some situations, I believe that it'll isolate some guys from the team. There's going to be envious guys. There's going to be jealousy because you might be a defensive lineman who has much more of an impact on a game than a quarterback, but he's the quarterback. He'll get more opportunities than you, even though you'll probably get drafted higher, you have a longer career, all these things. He's still the quarterback. So it just says what it is. And so I have mixed feelings about NIL for many different reasons because I feel like if they just figured out a way to share the pot instead of the NCAA, the conferences, the universities, just taking all this money to themselves. If they would have shared some of these profits with the players equally, that it would be a better system. But with the NIL, you know, I think it's going to cause more issues than it will help, but it will definitely change the game. And as you can see, you have kids going to schools simply based upon who's going to give them the most money via NIL. And what happens is you go into situations that may not be the best situation for you. You're going into an institution, not for the ability to get your education, but to get as much money as you can. I just think it's, it's going to put a big cloud over college athletics and, you know, amateur athletics as it is. And, and, and granted, there's so much money being made through college sports that I personally don't think that it's an amateur sport, but it has to be a better way to do it. Yeah, I think the way they did it was like, let's change the landscape so that players can get paid. Is it the best way to do it? Probably not. I mean, I'm sure things will continue to change as this continues on. It's still fairly new. So it'll be interesting to see how it continues to shape and progress. Now, let's talk about your journey in the NFL. So you went undrafted. What was your perspective like transitioning into the league as an undrafted free agent? Like, were you aware of it being the business or were you like, oh, cool, I get to play football and let's just go ball? I was very much aware of the business of sport, right? And so it wasn't a surprise to me by any means. However, when I coming out, I'm injured. There was a surgery required and I didn't have the surgery purposely when I was going through the process because I felt like it would hurt me going into the process. So I'm going to go through the process. And then once I go to the team that I'm going to go to, I'm then going to have the surgery. But it backfired on me. It was what it was. When I came out, I was surprised and almost, I guess you can say, felt a little disrespected that I wasn't drafted. But I carried that as motivation. And that year, that draft class, you know, I was like the highest paid free agent or whatever the case may be. And I picked a great situation that I thought to go into. For a receiver, I went to San Francisco into a room where they had Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, J.J. Stokes, Kevin Williams, Ty Streets. So 
I felt like it was a perfect situation for me where I can go learn from some of the best to ever do it. You know, it was two Hall of Famers in that room. It was a great opportunity for me to be around a great group of guys and in a great situation. And during your rookie season, what was the biggest eye-opening thing about becoming an NFL football player? The biggest eye-opening thing for me easily was that top players on a team have a lot of influence on the organization. That was the biggest thing for me. Coming into it, seeing coaches literally tell the coaches, this is what we're doing. It blew my mind. Coming from Penn State, that wasn't happening. He just wasn't going to tell Coach Paterno what he was going to do. He just, just wasn't going to happen. But the dynamic in professional sports is what it is. You know, you have a lot of guys that are getting paid significant dollars and significantly more than most of the coaches. And so their opinion matters. I think that was the biggest dynamic for me that was eye-opening. And what do you wish that you knew coming into the league? Was there anything you wish someone had told you before you had gotten to the 49ers? I don't know that it was really anything. I I was a very self-motivated individual. You know, I was a guy that always worked my tail off. When I outwork everybody, I was going to do everything that I was supposed to do. You know, so when I walked in, had a lot of good examples of what it meant to be a pro. And so for me, I don't think it was anything that anybody could have told me that I didn't witness or experience through one of my friends and or former teammates of how it's supposed to be done. Just recently wrapped up my path to the draft series on the show. We just had the NFL draft. And as these young men are getting ready to transition to this next chapter of being professional football players, what advice would you pass on to them? What kinds of nuggets have you shared with your clients to help them to ensure that they're successful and have a lengthy time in the league? The one thing that I try to make all these young men understand that professional sports is not a career. It's an opportunity to play a child's game that you love, that you're passionate about, and be compensated handsomely for doing so. So take advantage of that small window that you had to do it. But in the meantime, let's always consider and think about what it is that you ultimately would like to do with your time. When this ball, when these gloves, when this bat is taken away from you, because it will be, I guarantee it. Yeah, and that's a good point. The lifespan, if you will, or the average length of an NFL career is very, very short. As you know, people joke about how the NFL stands for not so long. So I think it's really important for these young men as they're still in the league to really be thinking about and setting themselves up for success. And so I've been working with a lot of young players on doing just that and putting together that playbook or that game plan for that next career beyond football or baseball or basketball. And so let's talk about your transition. Were you already thinking about that transition and what you were going to do beyond the game while you were still in the NFL or did you wait until afterwards? I definitely was not only thinking about it, but I was in action. I've always been, as you would say, a verb. I'm an action guy. You know, I'm not a big talker. I'm not a guy that's going to talk a lot. And I'm about that action. The irony in this is being a sports agent was never an endeavor of mine. I've always been, I guess you can say, a businessman. I've always been very much entrepreneur spirit. Before I was even transitioning, I was already into the restaurant business. I had Bought and sold three restaurants in my time, bought and sold two insurance companies and multiple other endeavors and real estate and other endeavors. But being a sports agent wasn't one of them. And how it came about was 
a gentleman who I, to this day, call my little brother, who also played at Penn State, a gentleman named Brian Johnson, BJ for short. When BJ was going through his agent process, he approached me and he said, listen, man, I need your help. I said, okay, you know, what can I do? He said, I need you to help me find an agent. Who's reached out to you? You know, how many people have you spoken to? You know, and he's like, look, man, it's a lot of guys reach out to me, but that's my issue. I don't trust any of them. They all talk too fast and they're just trying to sell me on this and that. I just don't trust them. And I said, okay, well, you know, what is it that you want me to do? <laughs> He's like, I want you to pick them for me. I said, nah, B, I can't do that. I can't pick them for you. They have to work for you. They don't work for me. You have to be comfortable with them. And he was like, yeah, but just nobody I've met am I comfortable with? I said, I'll tell you what, I'll introduce you to a couple guys that I feel like are good guys and allow you to choose between them and just kind of go from there. And he said, all right, but listen, this is what I want you to do. I don't want to deal with them. I just want to deal with you. And then you can deal with them. And you can advise me as to what to do and how, because I trust you, but I don't trust them. And I said, okay, well, let's see how it goes first. And, you know, we'll figure it out as we go. So we meet a couple of guys that I felt like were good agents and, and good people. He's like, man, I don't trust them guys either. And I said, okay, well, you know, which one me to do, B? He said, man, why don't you just be my agent? And I'm like, well, it's not that simple, man. You know, it's, it's a process. <laughs> got to take a test. You got to pass a test. You got to get registered, so on and so forth. And he said, well, why don't you just choose one of these guys that you feel comfortable with while you're trying to go through the process? You can just work directly with them and I'll just work with you and we'll figure it out as we go. And I said, okay, you know, if they're okay with that, then we can do that. And that's how it started. 20 years later and 51st round draft picks later, here we are. So I have a lot of people because I'm in the sports space that reach out to me considering a career in sports, maybe working for a team. Some people are interested in being a sports agent. And so they, they ask me for my thoughts and my advice. And so I'd like to ask you as someone who is in that business specifically, what would you tell someone who were to reach out to you and say, Chaffee, I'm thinking about being a registered NFLPA agent. I know I got to take the test and register and do the class and that stuff. But what other piece of advice can you give me? Well, first and foremost, you have to have a secondary degree before you can even sit for the test with football. For me, as a big of an advocate as I am on education, that's a good thing. And it's a way for me to express how important education is to anybody who's interested in jumping into this field. And it's something that I stress to all the young people because it's something that they can never take away from you. For me, every chance I get, I want to speak about academia. To be able to tell people, listen, you got to get your secondary degree, man. You got to go back to school. This is what's necessary to be an agent because that's what's important. But on another note, you know, it's not easy. It's a very, very, very competitive field. And it's very time consuming. And you have to be willing to put in the time, commitment, the sacrifices that are necessary to be successful at this, just like it would be for anything else. For sure. And I was chuckling about the academia because some of my listeners know a lot of them probably don't. I have two engineering degrees. I have seven degrees total. So <laughs> there you go. There you go, Jen. There it up, Jen. But education is important. And some people might not know, too, for players, the NFLPA has a tremendous education benefit for guys playing in the league. In fact, one of the guys on the Path to the Draft series, he and I have been talking about, make sure you take advantage of that. He wants to get his MBA. It's a fantastic 
benefit. And to anybody, I mean, whether you're a corporate professional or a player, I mean, look into the education benefits that your organization offers. I know it from a corporate standpoint, it's changed over the years. Companies have scaled back, but a lot of them still offer something. So if you're thinking about secondary education or another degree, look into that because it's money that's available to you. That's right. So Chaffee, something that I like to talk to my guests about is the importance of networking. When you look back, I mean, we know that networking is so important in whatever business avenue you go into. How has your network helped you to be successful in the business that you're in today? This is another topic that I harp on with a lot of young men. Coming from the environment that I come from, it was a very, let's just say, closed off network. If it's not somebody that you grew up with or that you knew, you went to school together or whatever the case may be, you kind of just didn't try to befriend everybody, right? Because it was just the environment that I was in. It wasn't the best environment to grow up in. A lot of times, just networking and trying to make new friends wasn't necessarily a part of my upbringing. And so for me, when I got to the professional ranks, I had to learn how to kind of break that wall down and allow people in speak to people that I didn't know, go sit down and go to dinner with people that I didn't know. And it was a comfort zone that I had to get myself out of in order for me to be able to become where I am today. Because as my brother, my Philadelphia brother, Wallow would say, your network is your net worth. And so your network is very important and the people that you keep around you and in your circle is very important. For sure. And there are a lot of people that have asked how I've built this brand and this movement in sports, not knowing when I first started anybody who played in the NFL or played college football. And it was just building the network and you know, putting that time into it. But so many people, they don't know where to begin or they're not comfortable getting out there. They don't know who they should network with. And so figuring out those things is really important to being able to propel your success. That's right. A wise man once told me, man, if, if you're the smartest guy and the most successful guy in your circle, you don't have a circle, you have a cave. Yes, I've heard that. Yep. You know, and so you want to get around people that are more successful than you. You want to get around people that are smarter than you and be confident in yourself enough to know that you're not the smartest guy in the world. And there's something that you can learn from everybody that you come in contact with and be open to that. It's very important. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to always make sure that I'm surrounded with people who have different sets of expertise who are smarter because that's going to help me be better. And so if you're thinking about networking and want to learn how you can do it more effectively, something that I started earlier this year is I do a five-day virtual training camp for networking. It's a five-day video series. It's free. There's a link in the show notes. If that's of interest, go check it out and sign up. You'll get a video for the next five days and teach you more about networking. So Chaffee, what I want to do is I want to run you through my two-minute drill to close out the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. The first question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I'll just say I wanted to be a gentleman and a businessman. And if you come from my environment, you know what that means. The next question is, what is one thing people don't know about you? I'm a nerd. I'm in search of information on a constant journey for information. The next question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Honest loyal, trustworthy. Three great words. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Oh, that's easy. Isaac Hayes, Shaft. Nice. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? 
podcast, I mentioned my man Wallow earlier. My man Wallow has a podcast with another Philadelphia brethren of mine, Gilly, have a podcast called Million Dollars Worth of Game. It is absolutely the most entertaining thing you have ever seen. And so if you haven't checked it out, check them out. The book that I'm reading right now is actually here, The Spook Who Sat by the Door by Sam Green. Nice. And I will definitely check out the podcast for sure. My next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Muhammad Ali has to be my favorite person of all time. He's athlete, non-athlete. my favorite person of all time. I actually had the honor and a privilege to have lunch with him once because of another former teammate of mine in San Francisco, Ken Norton Jr. I'm at the Kentucky Derby one year and Ken Norton Sr. invited me to lunch. And when we were having lunch, he got a call from Muhammad Ali and he invited him. He asked me if I wanted to go, obviously at no brain. He's like my favorite person of all time. So he would definitely be number one on that list. Harriet Tubman would be on that list as well. You know, she was just selfless individual that sacrificed everything for the sake of others. And that's that's a trait, man, that I respect tremendously. And she's a person that I would love to have five minutes with. Malcolm X is another one, a selfless person and human being that was about human rights and just wanting them to have everyone be on an equal playing field. And so the one thing you can see in common about all of those people is that they sacrifice themselves for the embetterment of others. So for me, that's something that I admire. That's something that I strive to do and to be. And it's something that I can take from all three of those individuals, man. And so I would say those would be the three people for me. Three great choices. My next question is, do you sing in the shower? Nah, I'm not, I'm not much of a singer. I'm not much of a <laughs> singer. You know, I'm not a shower singer, man. Now, because you are from Philly or North Philly, I'm going to ask you, Pat or Gino's? Neither. Oh. <laughs> See that? And again, that's, that's for tourists. When you're from the city, you don't go all the way down to Pat or Gino's for a good steak. Not to say that they don't make good steaks, but there's so many other places in the city where you can go. The best spot would probably be Della Sandro's. We'll have to check that out next time I'm in town. All right. So as we look to close the show, where can people follow you? Where are you at on social media? On social media, you can follow me on Instagram at the super agent, one word, and on Twitter at Shafi Fields. And the Shafi, the CH is like Charlotte or Chicago. So it's at Shafi Fields on Twitter. Perfect. And we will be sure to have those in the show notes so people can follow you and keep up with all the great things you're doing. Thanks so much again for being on the show today. Absolutely, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone again for listening. If you liked today's episode and you have not yet subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and also share it with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. Also, again, go check out the links in the show notes. We got the networking virtual training camp. We got the merchandise store. We got Chaffee's social links so you can follow him and more. Uh, Until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.